1: Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days of NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew: Keith Johnson,
2: you're great; I am
1: great; <laughs> Alan Siler, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> and, and joining us this week, we've got oh, special it. guest stars: Elaine Sweatman,
3: I'm fantastic;
1: woohoo; and, and hey. Matt Sweatman. <laughs> No, um, hello.
4: I had, I had an idea for a quote, but like <laughs> I threw it for time. Choked
5: I was, under
4: pressure. I was gonna do Matt Decker from uh the Doomsday Machine, but I couldn't quite get the quote together just in to time. <laughs> right <laughs> out of hell. If it comes together, just throw <laughs>
5: it in
2: somewhere.
4: Well, just I was. But not anymore. That was whatever really. I can't remember exactly the first part of that. But yeah.
2: Matt, you Um, could have said, you could have said, Charles' words mean nothing and you do not hear them. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody laughs.
1: (laughs) Not very nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get
2: that thing in your chest, whatever they call it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, if you haven't guessed yet, well, tonight we're talking about Star Trek, the original series, season two. Woo-hoo! And the Sweatmans have recently done a watch through and they're currently ranking them on our Facebook group on Earth Station yes. Trek. So we thought we'd dive in and talk about the second season of Star Trek, the original series.
4: Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Now, so what, what want to say? Start-
5: uh, and when I, when I, uh, in the description of the episode, I said for anybody who's watching, have your top five episodes in mind, because yes. toward the end of the show, we might just possibly ask you for them. And, but,
2: but hold them till then. Awesome. There real you go. Quick, real quick. I want to, a couple of things I want to mention about the second season, because there was a huge change between the first and second seasons. Of that Star was going to be my first question for everybody. Go right yeah. ahead, Keith. Yeah, but real quick, and just a couple of things. There were some interesting things. One of the things that, um, and we'll talk about this, most fans feel that the second season is the best of the three of the original series for a lot of reasons. If you look at them, the first season is heavy on drama, heavy on a very intense Captain Kirk. I've said many times, my favorite William Shatner's portrayal of Kirk is the first half of the first season because he's so intense. Um, second season was a little lighter. Third season is... Mm, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but one of the reasons that is, is that Gene Roddenberry and Robert Justman, who were showrunners, were burning out. And they were, they felt they had too much work between trying to do scripts and edit scripts and so forth. So Gene Kuhn, who had been a producer and a, a producer on the first season, was elevated to really more the executive producer. And one of the main things that Gene Kuhn brought to the second season was a mixture of a lighter tone along with the drama. Um that's and most people know about it because so many of the seasons the episodes start ending with a laugh and a joke at the end. I know Matt and <laughs> the land, you guys keep coming on something like they'll you know they'll leave a Nazi planet or somebody's brother dies and at the end they're
0: like
2: <laughs> 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 and it's just weird yeah that was that is called a coonism, and the interesting thing was Jane Rottenberry really loved Jane Coon's work, but Jane Rottenberry when he saw the humor that Gene Kuhn injected into the second season, he was very, very upset and he never got over that. As a matter of fact, Rottenberry started complaining to people that Kuhn is ruining his show. And he particularly could not stand um, a piece of the action because he thought there was too much humor in it and he could not stand, um, what was the other <clears throat> one? Um, the one with uh, Gary Seven, um, Assignment Earth. And he felt that, oh, the, no, sorry. I mud, trouble with troubles and a piece of the action. Rottenberry hated all of those episodes mm. and he felt that Gene Kuhn brought the whole show down. And because yeah, well of the,
5: what does that guy know?
2: Yeah, because of the stress of that and the, because of the arguments that he started having with Rottenberry and the stress of the show, Gene Kuhn left the series and at the, uh, after the second season. but he is absolutely one of the architects of Star Trek. Another couple of real quick things. Um, season two saw the Klingons become much more central after being introduced in the first season, and obviously they became legendary with Friday's Child, Trouble with Tribbles, and a Private Little War. And season two introduced the Tribbles, for good or ill. And uh, one other quick real big thing is the introduction of Ensign Pavel Chekhov, who, Ooh. played by Walter Koenig, was brought onto the show to answer three complaints. Mm-hmm. One that some people said there wasn't enough of a youth presence on the Enterprise, so they brought in this young guy. Two, there was a cultural thing with the Beatles and all these other groups going on, so they wanted someone who looked hip. Hence, sometimes, if you notice, Chekhov has really weird hair. And three, Russia was making all kinds of complaints about how can you say this is a diverse ship of the future and there's no Russian on the ship? So they brought in Pavel Chekhov, who then spent the rest of the series saying that everything was invented in Russia.
1: If yes. I could interject real quick, yes. you have got to give a shout out to Davy Jones and the Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I can't. I can't let that go by. Yes,
0: no. yes.
1: I mean and monkeys. The- I mean Beatles. Yes, but
5: come on, it was Davy yeah. Jones that they yeah.
2: going Yes, for. and the last thing which was interesting is what happened around this time was jo- George. George, I always get this wrong. Takay or Takai? And I should do better. Takei. George George Takei had taken a leave of absence from the series to go shoot a movie with John Wayne called The Green Berets. That movie not only took a long time to shoot, but it ran into severe time overruns. Hence, of uh, a large number of episodes that were written for Sulu, were given to Chekhov. And George Takei, George said when he came back, his role was never the same on that show because Chekhov had pretty much been ensconced. Taken some of the funny roles, some of the romantic things. There are so many episodes in the second season that were supposed to be for Sulu, but that was for Chekhov. And that's just the way you know, it was after that. And the last thing that I thought was really amazing with season two is we honestly almost lost Spock. Leonard Nimoy was negotiating at that mm-hmm. time. but He had become not only the most popular character on the show, he had been nominated for an Emmy for Shatner Hatton. He was getting way more mail than anybody, including Shatner. He was, gonna be, he was making $1,250 an episode. He asked for $9,000 an episode, or he was going to walk. So the producers started interviewing people, and two people that they'd considered replacing Spock as a Vulcan was Mark Leonard, who played, obviously, the Romulan commander, and Sarek. And I forget the actor's name, but the character who played Ston mm-hmm. in A Monk okay. Time. Lawrence Montaigne. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, good one. Um so Nemoy ended up selling on twenty five hundred dollars an episode instead of nine thousand, and hence we kept
1: stock. I think it's interesting that the two actors you named that they were considering they'd already uh-huh. fitted ears for previously, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly.
5: <laughs> so with all that, having just been said, um mm-hmm. I want to ask everybody and first, Matt and Elaine. Mm-hmm. The the there is a big change between season one and mm-hmm. season two. I want to know from, uh-huh. from all of us, uh, what do we think the most important change was or the biggest change? And what do you mm-hmm. think season two uh, does that season one maybe didn't? Like, what are some of the big accomplishments that they really moved into in season two?
4: That's an interesting way to put it. Um, well, I could think of uh, some that are just a little bit more superficial, but I think the most important and most positive thing is I think the Spock McCoy relationship is very, is very much defined more in the second season than it was in the first season. Mm. Hmm. We see a lot more of their interactions. And I think that um, provides since kind of Shatner's performance kind of, I don't want to say it dropped a little bit in the second season, but I think Leonard and DeForest kind of picked up the slack with their performances.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
5: That is interesting. I've never thought of that before.
4: Me
3: either. I'm, (laughs) um, I'm, I don't like all the laughs at the end of some of the episodes (laughs) the series. but I do like that um, there was a little bit of lightness in some of, like, it it wasn't, I like humor and stuff Mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. if it's appropriate, appropriately placed. So I do appreciate there seemed to be more of that in the second season. Just, you know, hmm yeah
1: yeah i i mean i prefer season one over season two to be honest it's, it's to me season one is i mean probably my favorite television season period wow um but i mean season two they added a lot you guys said a lot more humor right. um, also the characters became a lot more familiar and their world became a lot more familiar yeah. like the mm-hmm. way kirk would open his communicator is different than it was in season one it was a lot like it felt a little more yeah, and it felt a little more lived in and it felt a little yeah. more like they're leaning into the characters in a way that right. they mm-hmm. they had in season 1 but not nearly to the same degree I don't think. But I mean, the characters are what carry you through Star Trek. You know, you'll watch, you know, mm-hmm. Spock's brain or Star Trek 5 because you love those characters. <laughs> right. And that's the appeal, you know. And I mean, Star yeah. Trek 4 was entirely just let's see these characters in Present day, you know what I mean, because the characters were so strong by that point. And exactly. I think season two is really where they got there with the characters, where the, the audience felt as comfortable with them as the actors did, and exactly. you want to tune into them every week.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Um, I, I feel the same way as Charles. My my favorite season of the OS is the first season because I I love the deep drama of things like Balance mm-hmm. of Terror. I love mm-hmm. the even the deep mm-hmm. drama of I love the Conscience of the King. Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. love the I love the Kirk in season one who said things like, "I don't like mysteries; they give me a bellyache." And right now, I got a walk. that's the Kirk I like—the more serious, intense Kirk. Um, but as you guys also said, what I think was improved on in the second season is they expanded the world more. We get Spock's parents, we get yeah. um, some other things I didn't mention earlier. We get the—we actually get the either the introduction or the expansion of concepts such as the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of Space Central, Starfleet, <laughs> and the Prime Directive, and so the world building, and again we, we get all these exposures to the Klingons. So they expanded the world. That part of it, I think, is great. What I and feel Vulcan. we lost, and Vulcan, right? Yeah, Vulcan. Yes. So I think the expansion of the of the worlds um, are great. I do lament that the show is a little lighter when it's light. It's a little light. I prefer the deep drama of the first season.
5: I. I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward what Charles said about the, the characters mm-hmm. um, and specifically the relationships between the characters, just like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that first of all, the season starts off incredibly strong. And, and I think that sets the tone for the whole year, but then also the ending of that first episode where you see, the 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 relationship, you see how Spock actually feels about Captain Kirk. And right. I think that that really says something about how these characters have grown and grown into each other throughout the first season. And you're seeing like, this is a whole like launch point for a, a much deeper exploration of these, of these characters. And I think that that's really the thing that sets a, a big tone for season two. Yeah. Mm. And not that you didn't get any of that in the first season, you yeah. absolutely did. But I feel like this, this season, and particularly uh, a mock time, is where it really starts to like solidify.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree because a mock time is a shockingly good episode for yeah. a science fiction TV series. Yeah, <laughs> just amazing. To this day, it's still yeah. an incredible show.
1: A scene in a mock time that always gets me is when. You know, Sp- Spock is telling Kirk that they're allowed to bring their closest friends and family to the mm-hmm. ceremony, and he asks, he's asking Kirk to go. And McCoy's standing there the whole time. It just sort of looks awkward, you know, yes. like
0: <laughs> trying
1: to just be there in the turbo lift with the other. And then he says, I also request McCoy. And McCoy says, I would be honored, sir. And that's just yes. a really touching mm-hmm. moment to me. And they don't yeah. have to say – because I love you, because you're my brother. You know, or
0: anything like you know what I mean? it, it all goes unsaid,
1: but you, yeah. you get it because you get those characters.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly
2: the, way he right. even said, the way he even said McCoy, it was still like, you know, they're still, you know, he, he, there's a distance, you know, kind of, he yeah. doesn't want to say it like he said. He doesn't want to say, well, Dr. McCoy, I also request McCoy. Yeah. I thought that was
1: great. If yeah. they did that scene now, It would be overdone because I love you, and because I've never told you that you've always been my best friend.
3: You know, like
1: they couldn't let it go. They couldn't let it go.
4: Discovery, basically.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly what I was saying. Yeah, yeah.
3: With with you explaining it that way, it reminds me of the scene in Greece when um, John Travolta's character is at. Oh no, when Kinnicky's asking John Travolta if he'd be his second, but it kind of like you know. Yeah, you need to be my second, and, and you know it's because they love each other and they're brothers. But that that you can't say that because you're too cool to say that out loud, right? Kind of right. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Ooh, that's a big jump from Star Trek <laughs> to Greece.
3: <laughs> I have a special brain sometimes. So.
1: <laughs> what a, what a time for Veronica not to be here. She'd be right
0: there.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'll ask her about that later. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
5: So uh, for people watching, if you've got questions or comments, just start dropping them in and we will get to them as quickly as we Mm
1: -hmm. can. Yeah. And Elaine, you recently watched season one for the first time, and now you've recently watched season two for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what does it stand out to you?
3: Like episode Uh, wise?
1: An episode wise or a vibe or I mean, what really grabbed you about season two or didn't grab you?
3: So
2: let me clarify, Elaine, you've never seen season two before
1: ever.
3: Um, I've seen Trouble with Tribble before because, well, there's a lot of people who probably have seen that who may not have ever seen another episode of Star Trek because it's always seemed to be on when I was a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. on TBS or wherever, you know, you flip channels and there's all the fuzzy things, you know, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) when I was a kid, that's what it was. It was the fuzzy thing. So, and I don't know. I've seen, I had seen a muck time before, but as an adult with math, oh, I think, but amazing. no, I don't know that I had seen any other of episode two.
2: That's awesome. Okay. So,
3: um, but I will tell you, cause my, I said, I have a special brain and there are 26 episodes. There are a mm-hmm. lot of, that you can tell me the name of the episode and I'll be like, which one was that one again?
0: Oh, don't worry because about that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I, I do that with Doctor Who and do, I'm like oh, um and then if you describe it, still sometimes I'm like, I need to see a picture. I mm-hmm. need to see like the character or whatever, and then I, I'll i remember it. So um, which is what I was trying to do before we got on, because I'm like, I don't remember what some of these episodes are. <laughs> well, luckily,
1: Star Trek's easy to do that with. Yeah. Because you yeah. can say the gangster episode or the Nazi episode
3: yeah. or the Gina yeah.
1: Yeah. episode.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There did seem to be more history stuff in the second episode. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Nazis and then the gangsters and yeah. you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. and then and then um um Roman centurions and then, you know, also I mean there, there was a lot more history in this one.
0: Yes, uh,
3: you know, history-ish.
1: And and yeah. mythology.
3: Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I
1: think they were really leaning into using the existing stuff in the closet, mm-hmm. using the back yeah. lot to save yes. money. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. they, yeah. they, I mean, that was part of the original Star Trek pitch was that you could have parallel Earths and make use of what they had on hand already. And they really did that in season two. <laughs> yeah. Right. Everything
5: that was standing sets at Paramount got used.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what's funny is that was actually part of uh, Gene Rottenberry's initial pitch to NBC. He mm-hmm. said that we could craft shows that we could we could utilize uh, existing things on, and mm-hmm. in the series they came up with this this stupid well this goofy theory called Hodgkin's theory <laughs> of parallel planets, <laughs> which is just awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah, Well, I mean, let's start with the parallel planet episodes. Like, I mean, what is, is there one that everyone loves? Everyone that hates? Like, what do you think? Was that done effectively? And if so, when?
4: Well, a piece of the action stands out, um, yes. but, but I don't know if it stands out because it's a historical analogy, more so it's just a great uh, farce spoof. It's just, it's mm-hmm. it's you see the characters having a blast with it, the actors having a blast with it, um, and uh, so I don't know if it stands out because it's a parallel story, but it just happens to be probably my favorite of those that we just mentioned.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, it's a great fish out of water. It's like Star Trek four mm-hmm. before Star Trek four came along, you know, right. totally. totally. We get to see Kirk trying to drive a car and spot trying to be a gangster.
0: <laughs> right. I, I think like, that uh, I think
5: that those things work conceptually one time. Yeah. Like, I don't think it works to do as many of them in one season as we got, you know, mm-hmm. but one would have been great. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah I, I really enjoy bread and circuses. It's it's a 100% mm-hmm. classic science fiction theme. What would happen if you know? What is the first thing mm-hmm. people say? What would happen if the Nazis won World War II? What would happen yeah. if Lincoln yeah. wasn't assassinated? Mm-hmm. What would happen if Rome never fell? Yeah. Um, what I love about it is they they do that historical thing and they blend it with what was the modern sensibilities of the time, such as, my gosh, are they not poking fun at the at TV networks? Um, yeah. I remember when the proconsul told Kirk that they had reserved time for his execution. And he, he looks at Kirk and goes, Oh, well, I'm sorry, your are centuries beyond anything like uh, television. And Kirk goes, I heard it was similar. And, uh, <laughs> and then, like, when the guy's going to stab Kirk and he says, You bring these networks. Oh, and they wouldn't fight. And he says, You bring these networks' ratings down. We'll do a special on you. <laughs> NBC was actually pissed at Rottenberry for all that stuff. <laughs> they were literally pissed because yeah. they saw through it
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the, the satirical aspects are what I love about that episode I know you know too. where they they'll do a gladiator battle and they've got like booze and cheers programmed <laughs> into the yeah, scene
2: yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you got the announcer who sounds like any regular announcer, but it's so funny. He's, he's so excited that T-Boy goes, I'm Tonight, folks, we got a simple execution. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just great. <laughs> but I love the science fiction concept. And also, strange for a Star Trek show, they bring Jesus into it. Star Trek was notoriously anti-religious in terms of, yeah. you know, religion was always a God or something, but they literally said that they had Jesus, which is
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: That happened a
5: couple of times, mm-hmm. which I, and I do th- find that to be a, like a really interesting concept—not yeah. not religion as a concept, but y- you know—and and the same thing happened in the early seasons of the reboot of Doctor Who. Russell T. Davies is is very much an atheist, but he would bring religious things uh-huh. into the storylines frequently, and not to that. lampoon them or to skewer <laughs> them, but <laughs> genuinely. And I, and I was always surprised by that as well. Let me get one. Quick comment from our buddy Wayne, aka Tiger Blade, two thousand two, who so says, Wayne? "I want, I want to be part of the discussion, but my view on the differences between seasons is mushed in my old age fog." <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's okay, Wayne. Uh, I I messaged you pictures of all the episodes from season two, so just <laughs> look kidding? at that. No, I did the same thing. i was posted in our group, so like you can see, right. like uh, a <laughs> oh, to, to head, or right. you can okay. see uh, yeah. gnome mad, and you can see the um, mm-hmm. sp- uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Daystrom talking to the ultimate computer, so right. you can use that Uh-oh. as kind of a guy. I, I think you said something very interesting, and I think it's very interesting to say that, which is you can be an atheist, you can be anti-religious, but you can respect the tenets and the principles and the ethics, because yeah. in that episode, Kirk said, Jesus and Caesar, they have them both, but then McCoy says, the philosophy of total peace, total brotherhood, mm-hmm. you don't have to believe in Jesus to mm-hmm. believe in that concept. So I think right. that's how they sneak that into the episode like that. Right. And I do respect that.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I think season two had the, probably the two most blatant pro-Christian comments mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you had that. Mm-hmm. And then you had when Apollo was there and they said, well, we we find the one God's quite sufficient. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, right. Know and Earth does not have one God. <laughs> you know, that's a very <laughs> right. um, Western Christian point of yes. view, which to me, those comments – are antithetical to Star Trek. I'm, I'm an atheist, mm-hmm. but also just from a historical perspective. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. Earth has more mm-hmm. than one. Uh, the, the Enterprise would have people who have ancestors who believed in more than one God, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But the
5: show was made for mm-hmm. a a uh, monotheistic audience.
2: Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, they somehow, other than some unfortunate aspects of, you know, lingering sexism with, for the times... Everything that they did, even in the 60s, it still holds up. Even the the uncomfortable balance between religion and humanism, it still holds up in so many ways. Mm. Like you're saying is, um, if you're a Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, you can still get something out of what they're saying. And I love that. Um, I remember reading in, I think it's the books, the novel Spock's World, where it was funny, Spock said that Vulcans knew there was a, a higher being. They knew... And it seemed odd for Vulcans to say that, but it was kind of like, it's logical that there'd be something beyond us. And I think that's an amazing take on Vulcans. So you might think might be the
1: first people to be atheists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and Star Trek is usually, you know, an advanced alien or a spoiled child or an insane computer. <laughs> right,
5: right. It's interesting yes. to explore the, the whole, I mean, this is so off topic, but it's interesting to explore the concept of religion when you mm-hmm. are in a universe that has beings like q and and things like that 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 really sort of adopt that role you know they have right. the, the the prophets you know they have the abilities that we associate with and and the um i don't know what I'm trying to say but but they they are sort of godlike beings, and it's interesting to kind of parallel Christian beliefs or any religion beliefs with these characters that are being portrayed in Star Trek. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to go too far down
0: the rabbit hole
1: right now, but I did want to say that, I mean, the difference is that the religions tend to portray their God as being perfect and all knowing. Whereas in Star Trek, like Q is not perfect. He's not Mm -hmm. all knowing. Like he's very powerful and he's omniscient, but his faults are very much in the forefront. You know? And and I think that the humanity is what Star Trek should push towards (laughs) rather than, I mean, what is Jesus going around planet to planet? He's on Magna Roma now, and then he's going to go to the next planet. You know, like he's on a, this never-ending world tour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
5: stay tuned for our religion in Star Trek discussion because right. we've been talking about doing that for a long time, and yeah, we yeah. really yeah. need to do it. And yeah, Charles, though, I
2: consider, my, I consider myself I consider myself to be one of the most open-minded people on the planet. But when you said Jesus on never-ending world tour, I got to be honest, I was like. <gasps>
1: Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> story that astronauts find Jesus on some planet, and he's just like,
4: been doing this the whole time.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
4: <laughs> I'm almost surprised in the Savage Curtain Jesus wasn't one of the good. Uh, oh my, he that one. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, All so,
5: to
2: right. to follow up on Charles asked you earlier. Do you have one episode that 100% stood out for you, like the you know the best, whether it was the funniest or the most dramatic or the saddest? Is there one you're like, wow, that was amazing?
3: Well, Matt, you probably shouldn't answer because you haven't completed posting your your. Reviews yeah, and yeah well,
5: let's let's make it a category. Like, what yeah. are some of the episodes? Don't say mm-hmm. the one, mm-hmm. because we don't want to spoil your, the countdown that you've been posting <laughs> right. per day. Yeah. But let's just talk about some of the
3: highlights.
2: Yeah, so like when you think of season two, Elaine, what, what comes to your mind? Like, wow, these episodes are really something else. They stayed with me.
3: Well, because like I said, I was on the Wikipedia page for season two, looking at the descriptions <laughs> and titles of each one, because I was like, okay, I need to remember some of these. And as I was reading them, one that did stick out to me was, um... "Oh, darn it! Hang on one second. I have it on my other screen because
5: it's the one with <laughs>
2: yeah." Like Charles said, if you could just, you can literally just say the one with the, with, the, with Doctor Daystrom, the one with the Romans, the one with the, go- the Fox the, family, yeah, the one with the gorilla, the Mugatu, <laughs> the gorilla, <laughs> the
3: gangster no. <laughs> planet. <laughs> no, um, journey journey to babble.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, Journey to Babel. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to one. call it return to Babel, and Matt was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, the- <laughs> oh, it's Journey to Babel. You know which one I'm talking about. The Babel Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know like about about
4: that? Re- return to Babel. I know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you like, like about that, that one?
3: Um, Hmm? I like that we learned um, more about Spock and saw his family and like the relationship with him and his dad and then his Mm. mom getting to see her. Um, And it was also a little interesting because the episode before that was Metamorphosis, which had Eleanor Donahue from Father's Mm. Knows Best. And then in Journey to Babel, it had... I'm going to forget her name. She played her mother and father's nose best. She played Eleanor Donna's mother and Jane Wyatt. I always want to say Jane Wyman and that's somebody else. Um yeah, so that was kind of an interesting back-to-back seeing
0: mm-hmm.
3: that too, right. but I, I did yeah. like seeing more I like I like Vulcan stuff apparently cuz yeah. You know the, the only... Vulcan
2: stuff is good. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And, and that's a great episode because that that episode literally has everything you could want in a good Star Trek episode. It has, mm. as you said, it has deep dra- drama, like that whole scene where Amanda begs Spock to go to his father. And he goes, yeah. Mother, yeah. I cannot. Mm-hmm. And she slaps him. And then he shows emotion by putting his hand on the door. And yeah. then you get what people now call sometimes um, dismissingly Kirk Fu. Because Kirk is fighting that dude <laughs> and gets stabbed, and that's an awesome scene. Yeah, and, it is. You know, then you got space battles, and then you've got all those races that they introduce yeah. eating yeah. that that colored jello food or whatever it is. Um, and oh, you get was- the tell you get the tell rights and all this, you know? And, well, and
3: I, yeah, yes. that and, and that was something I was thinking of. I think part of mm-hmm. the reason maybe I gravitate toward that episode is because we're still sort of somewhat fresh of watching Enterprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and the right.
3: Andorians are an Enterprise a lot, and i tell you, and so I, I have them in my brain more, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I picked up on that watching that episode. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and
1: it's it's probably the biggest world building episode for Star Trek they've done up to that point, as yeah. far as yeah. the Federation and all that. I mean, you get to see mm-hmm. Federation member races, and right. And Orion's are involved, even though none of them were green at that time, you know, because one's in disguise, <laughs> the others are on a ship. But yeah, yeah right. I like, like Keith said, it's just a great, well rounded episode. It's just, that's yeah. just yeah. a great episode.
5: It's got yeah. some mm-hmm. humor, it's got a lot of action, yeah. it's got drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a perfect package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, I was going to save this until later on because I assumed that we would get into top fives or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've said before that I got into Star Trek because of Star Trek 2 go in the theater and and at that point started going back and watching the syndicated reruns of the original Mm -hmm. series. And this is really the one that hooked me. Like I saw a couple of things and I thought, yeah, I kind of like this, but this is the one Mm -hmm. that really got me. And it was all those things that you're saying it's, it was the, the drama and the action, but more than anything else, I think it was seeing all those different Federation races together and you know the tellerite mask looks stupid but i didn't
0: care
5: (laughs) (laughs) it did not bother me but the thing that really got me was i thought the andorians were the coolest things ever and the older andorian with the really thick accent yeah who spoke in very slow and very deliberate tones like he's not using a uh, universal translator. He's actually trying to speak English, mm-hmm. and he's doing it very carefully to make sure that he gets it right. Yeah, I yeah. loved that guy.
2: Good point. And and, also, and
5: yes. the other one. So the only see two Andorians on mm-hmm. the, on the show, and the other one is a young guy who speaks just perfect. English. And you're like, well, obviously that's the fake one because he doesn't sound like an Andorian. (laughs) (laughs) The the problem is that no other Andorian ever sounded like that first guy again. Right. Which is the same trouble you ran into with Troy. (laughs) Well, Yeah.
2: And also uh, to piggyback what you said, Alan and Charles and and Elaine, the other thing is they did such excellent world building with really quick lines in writing. Case in point. Sarek is 113, awfully young for a Vulcan to retire. Oh, they right. live that long. Their heart's over here. His blood is mm-hmm. T-negative. Oh, right. how quick yeah. that is. A quick line right. from Sa- Sarek. Tellerites do not argue for a purpose. They simply argue. Whoa, yeah. he just he just labeled the entire race. And mm-hmm. the guy you're talking about, Alan, <laughs> with the accent, the Andorian, literally says, my people are a violent race. Yeah, But we have no core with your captain. So you're getting all this stuff that just you builds up. You get all oh, that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
5: it... It like folds out all this information in a really quick and really easy and really entertaining way, right. and it gives you a sense of what the federation is—not just is. those individual races, but what the federation is.
2: Yeah, I, I loved it. See, yep. Matt, how about you? Because we could we could talk about this one show for two <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
2: Well, I, I tend to,
4: I, I tend to, and I think this will show this will show out in my rankings when you when you view them as a whole. Mm-hmm. I tend to prefer the ones that have a very suspenseful, a very tense buildup and ending. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you think of episodes like uh, the immunity syndrome, you think of episodes like uh, the ultimate computer or the doomsday machine. I mean, these oh, yeah. right. uh, have you on the edge of your seat till the very end right. and those stand out. And I have an interesting anecdote about the immunity syndrome. Um my earliest Star Trek memory is from that episode. Um, wow. I would have been maybe seven, eight, uh, mm-hmm. fresh off of Star Wars, anxious to watch more science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I wasn't quite ready for Star Trek yet. That had to come in my teenage years. <laughs> um, so the first memory I could see of, of of saying, here's this other star show, Star Trek, uh, is the space oh. ami- the, the space amoeba? And yes, I mean now I'm I, I have enough sense of differences in special effects and differences. It was absolutely ridiculous looking to seven year old me, and uh, I thought, "Oh my god, what is this junk on my TV screen?" <laughs> and what's mad is I love the episode now, mm-hmm. uh, but. Then yeah, that is my earliest Star Trek memory of turning, turning in, watching that show. And Star Trek did that. They had their ill-defined space blobs. And I was used to mm-hmm. like sharply defined spaceships from Star mm-hmm. Wars and such. So it was hard for me to get past that as a young kid.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: But that's a good episode again,
2: because as you said, it has such tight and taut writing like mm-hmm. Spock, Feeling the death of a Vulcan ship because of their telepathic cries. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's
5: like, fascinating.
2: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing. It also has some of the greatest drama because some of the, and the Charles, you're talking about the first season, some of the best drama in all of Star Trek is when people are just in quarters having conversations, not the action. Mm. Um, and there's a the whole thing about, you know, we're dying. Remember Coy came back and said, we're dying. We're dying, Jim. And all the the thing where Kirk is lamenting, "Who do I choose? Which of my best friends do I send to their death?"
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I
2: love all those little moments where, where that's where the deep drama is. And that that episode, like you said, despite the space amoeba, which you know actually looks good special effects wise for the '60s on television. Oh, you yeah. it it's weird. Yeah, I can appreciate but... it today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that is a good. One. How about you, Alan? What 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 is some of the, your tops that you like from that oh, season? Oh, dude. I know, it's impossible. <laughs> well,
5: I don't. I, I, it's not impossible. It's just that there's so many of them. Yeah. This season is just packed with really great stuff. I mean, Journey, obviously, is one of them, a mock time we've already talked about. And yeah. one that uh, Wayne, oh, hang on, my screen just went weird. Um, one that Wayne brought up is Mirror Mirror. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. I mean, it's such a cliche to talk about mirror mirror and journey to mm-hmm. Babel and all these kind of things. But there's a reason that those ones always get mentioned because they are Ew. so good. <coughs> and mirror mirror is just Absolutely. a
2: phenomenal episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many memes in there, the agonizer and, yeah. and the, the tantalus field. And, well, and just your,
1: your evil double having a goatee.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> it's like a
1: television cliche just come on yeah man that's, which yeah. has been copied
2: everywhere and i mean right there's a reason you
0: know? yeah. yeah
2: and sulu getting now talk about george getting to chew up the scenery that that guy mm-hmm. is awesome he's got that scar yeah.
4: oh he doesn't he doesn't it. like the same person and it's, it's it's very striking and it's like yeah that's not the sulu we know for, for many reasons but at mm-hmm. the
5: same time man, some of the best uhura scenes ever absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely dude that is a that's a lady you do not want to cross
0: yeah
2: i love the scene what's so funny to to, you the scene when you talk about uhura is when she's basically trying to distract sulu from his that security board and god what a paranoid people they are and what i love it is when she's doing that whole thing with sulu and then she slaps him and then she pulls a knife on him Mm -hmm. what i always love is if you look in the back the security guards are literally lounging against the wall. They're just mm-hmm. chilling and mm-hmm. they are laughing and they're having a great time. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk walks onto the bridge and they snap to attention. Mm-hmm. Everybody gives that borderline mm-hmm. Nazi salute to, <laughs> to Kirk. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: right. <laughs> such such a great one. Uh, Matt, I think it's interesting you called out the immunity system. That's not usually on like, I mean, it's a good mm-hmm. episode, but it's not usually on the list where people mm-hmm. call out in that season. Yeah, uh, and that's what I love is when people have different things that trigger mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. that they, mm-hmm. they love or hate about
1: Trek. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. cool, because this season is stacked with classic episodes, right? Yeah. I mean, that, mm-hmm. the top probably top five, um, most Star Trek fans would say the same top five, you know, because yeah. there's just those mm-hmm. classic episodes that are just famous and remembered mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, but, but how about um, you, Charles? How about you? Uh, What's one stand up for you? If we're going to do a top five later, then I'll pick one that's outside of my top five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is an episode that I've talked about plenty of times, which okay. is Metamorphosis. because mm. I thought you might say that. Because it's just great. I mean, yeah. it, and it, and it's just beautifully shot. And it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. story. And I mean, they were on the same cyclorama planet stage they've used. I don't know how many cool. times. Right. Yes. He, he, Ralph Sinensky just shot it differently, though. Mm-hmm. He, he did okay. tricks to make it look bigger and I mean, I think it's just a a gorgeous episode. I think Mm -hmm. that's one that really shines in the HD remastering because the colors just pop. It's just, uh, I I mean, Eleanor Donahue's dress and the purple sky and Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Glenn Corbett's eyes, Mm -hmm. it's just a gorgeous episode. And I think it doesn't, it's not one that I think was remembered like doomsday machine or a muck time as one of the all time classics, but I think it's a, just a a wonderful episode. Just a sweet story. Right.
4: And what a great, uh, What a great exploration of Star Trek's philosophy in that episode. I mean, the idea that you can love some, uh, uh, an entity can love something so different. And and even if he had the initial, you know, rejection of the idea, but then he came around. I thought that was, it's not just beautifully shot. It's also a beautiful concept and a beautiful Mm. story as well.
2: Right. You know, It's funny you said that, Matt, because we discussed that at one point, and I said mm-hmm. something, and I, I've said this many times in our shows, which may seem odd to some people, is when a character is introduced that has prejudices or some what we call negative things, I like that because it's yeah. real. Yeah. You need to work through that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, because Spock and Kirk, or even Kirk, they're like, dude, you guys have a great relationship. Why are you complaining just because she's a blob of energy? And mm-hmm. Cochrane literally says... Is this what the future holds? Mm-hmm. Men and women mm-hmm. with no sense of decency. Like, dude, calm mm-hmm. down. Now, nowadays, they probably wouldn't let him get away with the fact that the companion ends up in the body of a pretty woman.
1: That's what I was they- going to say. <laughs> yeah, that that undercuts the ending. I Thank couldn't you. love something so weird and alien. Well, what if it was Eleanor Donahue? Like, well, okay.
0: If <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you talk me into it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: People keep asking, are we
0: back? Yeah,
1: I guess we're back. Back to talk about cigars, movies, TV shows, and any other nerdy topics here on the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Check us out on cigarnerdpodcast.com and ESONetwork.com. And we have a YouTube channel at Cigar Nerd Podcast where we do cigar reviews, live versions of the show, and any other dumb thing we think to record.
5: Okay, so here's what I want to do. I was thinking about this earlier. I want to kind of just like throw out some titles of some of the less obvious episodes and just get everyone's reactions to them. Okay, so no prep, no, you know, anything. I'm just going to throw out a couple of titles (laughs) The Deadly Years,
4: (laughs) my least favorite of the season. Um, I like, I like the regular characters in it, and they carry a lot of the worst episodes, uh, but Commodore Stalker, what the actual <laughs> F? I yeah. mean, I want to go through the neutral zone because I want to get to my
3: Starbase on time. Yeah. Really? Uh, oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, that one. That <laughs> I, was one. Going, I don't know what that is. And then Lane,
2: the one where Chekhov, a military officer, loses his ever-loving mind because he saw a dead body.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. saved
2: him. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, least favorite
5: for me. Okay, Wolf in the Fold,
1: my least favorite. Really? Yes. Ooh, okay. We, we, okay, you gotta you gotta tell us real quick why. Yeah. I, th- I think Wolf in the Fold just doesn't hold up. It's one of those, like, the whole premise is that Scotty was in an accident that was c- allegedly caused by a woman, and now he hates yeah. women. Yeah. And, yeah. Right, yeah. and now, maybe Scotty's a murderer, because now he's murdering <laughs> women because of it. And, like, come on. that's which, And also, it's oddly, it's the only original series episode that aired on my birthday, originally. It was December 22nd, Sorry, 13 years before I was born. But I think it's just one that for me, it doesn't hold up. Um yeah. I, I don't hate it. I like when Piglet goes crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I love
5: it. I'm with this you on great. that one. Yeah. Sweatlands, what do you what do you say?
4: Well, I was gonna say that the I, I actually like the idea of this a Piglet's voice. Coming from something that turns out to be so sadistic, it actually adds yes. a level, a creepiness to it. So I actually mm-hmm. rather enjoyed his performance as a Red Jack, <laughs> so to speak. Hmm. Me, me too. <laughs> how about you, Elaine? What do you think about it?
3: I forgot that that was the dude that did Piglet' voice. I'm, I'm like, yes, picture. I'm Ow. like, oh, him. Well, no, I mean, I I do remember Scotty was accused of murdering all the women, but I forgot how it ended. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, he he does a really good performance of being, you know, this sweet little timid dude, but he's actually not nuts. But um that's all about all that's all I got for that one. Uh, At least was, wasn't
2: yeah, <laughs> and real quickly, the ending of that show is an example of a really bad coonism. All these women have been killed and murdered. And then Kirk's like, I know a place where the women are so Dude,
0: seriously, yeah. let's, let's go see. <laughs> Alive what was the
2: end of that sentence. What else you got, Alan? All right, I like that.
5: Patterns of Force.
1: I think it's
2: fun. Yeah, I like it better than most Ooh. people.
5: You you like that episode more than you like most people?
1: <laughs> I like it more, than, more, more than that. More, <laughs> I like it more than most space Nazi episodes. <laughs>
4: I, I think the one thing I, I commented on was I wasn't sure if Star Trek had the weight to carry such a a, a heavy theme as Nazism. The one scene where I yeah. think it, it comes close is when the one uh, from the one Zion who um, talks about uh, the one's uh, fiance being murdered um, and this the, the horror and the almost an almost acceptance by by the other, uh, the other Zion to it, I think cl- came closest to kind of exploring just how, of the horrors of that, of that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because, um, his brother, um, was it Esau's brother said that mm-hmm. his fiance lived for five hours in the street and people spit on her the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that That's a, that's a deep show for, cause you think about that, that wouldn't be shown on regular broadcast television nowadays because, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real quick personal side like one of my issues and I've responded to your rating review of that, Matt is I strange, I have a real problem with the Marvel cinematic universe that they took Nazis out of the whole thing because Mm. they were a huge part of it. Mm. Um, and replaced it with Hydra. So the courage to show Nazis, even if it wasn't a a good episode, a whipping bare chested men being whipped on television Mm -hmm. in the late 1960s. That's pretty deep for the time period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to revisit that, because at the end, Spock says something I always thought was wild. He said, with the union of two planets, this system would make a fine addition to the Federation. And I always wondered, were they going to go ahead and let them join, even though they didn't have warp drive? Because John Guild has just jacked up that whole system, and they, <laughs> and, and they need to take care of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an episode that has become more relevant as I've gotten older. Um, and, and Twi- I mean, Star Trek wasn't the only e- show that did an episode about... Be careful! Don't bring back Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilight mm-hmm. Zone did the same thing, and there were some other yeah. shows as well. But yeah. sh- I mean, Rod Serling and Gene Roddenberry, I guess, both had this similar. Th- and, and these are the writers of these shows. Were I mean, served in World War II. They mm-hmm. lived. They saw the yeah. horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think there was something. There was a concern among that generation of fascism of nazism Mm -hmm. taking hold in the u.s and there's psa's that were produced by the u.s government trying to keep us from heading down the route that would lead to that type of society exactly and then then as an adult to see nazis in the street carrying tiki torches you know that Mm, i mean it's like wow you know i was prepared for this when i was a kid watching star trek in the twilight zone yeah because they were i mean they were really concerned about I mean, I don't know. Really concerned, but they, it was on their mind that you yeah. know, don't let Nazism, don't let fascism take hold in the U.S. And they we're dealing with that today,
5: right? And the thing is, you know, when you're talking about Nazism, it's it's, it's essentially history for us. It was recent memory for yes. the 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 broadcast audience at mm-hmm. that time, right. you know. And it's just like in Doctor Who with the Daleks. They were they were an mm-hmm. allegory for. Uh, Mm -hmm. for German tanks. And that was something that was a fresh, very recent memory for the people who watched it. It's not Mm -hmm. the same for us. We don't have that association Mm with it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's very true. And Matt, you mentioned it not being like whether Star Trek had the weight to carry it. And then, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, Hogan's Heroes is kind of the same way where it, it was, it was lighter but you could, I think, if you if you made it heavier, the sensors and the networks would get more nervous. Whereas right. if you played it lighter, right. then you could talk about these issues, and you know, Colonel Colonel whatever Clutz, I, I forget, I, clink. Clink. Colonel clink. clink, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they they can play them as a joke and play the Nazis as right. incompetence, and have right. Kirk and Spock making jokes while they're escaping from being tortured by the Nazis, yeah. and. Yeah. I think they could get by with it easier.
5: That is such a good parallel. I had never really thought about putting that in context of Hogan's Heroes, but well done.
2: Another thing about Patterns of Force I like, when I was a kid and Charles, you said something very interesting. Another thing we could do a whole show about is what episodes didn't resonate with you as a child that definitely Mm -hmm. resonate with you as an adult. It took me years to understand what Spock was saying, although Kirk was saying, although it's power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. But it took me years to really understand what he was saying, which was, it doesn't matter so much that john gill chose nazism with its specific racism and hatred his point was john gill built a society based on some kind of weird nationalism and power on one man Mm -hmm. and so that's because he remember he said it's not that the nazis were evil they were it's just that they had they had power so i love that lesson which it doesn't matter if you come in as a nazi and frankly to to use a completely opposite example there are there are warlords in africa who are as black Mm -hmm. as i am Or as evil as anybody who's ever been, like Idi Amin and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's not always, although, what what starts it out may be racism, white people versus Africans, whatever. But at the end of the day, you give humans too much power that can turn evil, and I love that lesson from that show. Interesting about that show, that show was not shown until like 1990 in Germany, for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah.
5: right. Yeah. Okay, I had a couple more on my list that I wanted to throw at you, but we're kind of running low on time, So, but there is one that I absolutely think we have to get to, because mm. Veronica is not here, we have to talk about Cat's Paw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is Veronica's favorite original yeah. series episode. Wow. Believe it or that. not. I think a lot of it is because it's part of my halloween rotation and yeah, so every yeah. year i have cat's paw on just like i would have on dracula or frankenstein right mm-hmm. um yeah. and so she's probably seen that more times than any original series episode but it's i mean it's also i mean it's a halloween episode it's a novelty episode but it's really? just fun to watch it's ghosts and goblins and it's old school halloween <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know not yeah. horror like you think yeah. of it now Exactly. uh it's you know rattling chains and skeletons and right and stuff. That's the yeah.
4: Halloween that I love. Right. Uh, I guess three things stick in my mind from Cat's Paw. Um, Chekhov's insane wig for
0: his hair. <laughs> into the,
4: the monkey's hair, they put the strange wig on him. Because that was the first one they filmed. Um, that was uh, the corny joke where Kirk looks over to the skeleton and says bones, meaning to talk to McCoy. <laughs> My yes, God. I uh, love that though. I love that, that. that. That's a dad joke right there. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and um, and then the pipe cleaner aliens at the end. Uh, the uh, that was one of the sillier effects I think the show was. Matt, let it me, was the let first me.
5: time they had done anything like that, and
2: I I yeah. I, I love that. Man, I am pro-puppets t- on Star
5: Trek. Yes, all,
4: at all
2: times, and <laughs> all things. Matt, let me tell you, there was a weird thing in Texas for years, and I don't know if it was national or in Texas, but for several years there was like five Star Trek episodes that had not been shown on television for like 20 years. Well, no, not 20 years, for several years. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. One of them was Cat's Fall. I saw Cat's Fall when I was nine years old on a small color television. And let me tell you, with four, what is it, 480, I... Mm-hmm. resolution those pipe cleaner creatures looked creepy especially <laughs> because they did slow motion and slow motion mm-hmm. could be creepy and they made that
4: weird <laughs>
2: <laughs> sound
4: they scared yeah. me when i was a kid well interestingly <laughs> uh elaine has not seen the uh proper effect for the aliens since we watched the remastered versions oh. so i need to show her that there's a couple of, of specific scenes i wanted to see originally and i think that's one of them the end of cat's paw I
2: yeah. never watch the remaster. I always watch the original. They're like that's,
3: part
1: plant, part crab.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's what because we're watching it on Paramount Plus, and that's sure. what they show on the streaming. Right. The sure. you know with all the fancy, cool mm. new effects. So my right. my one thought about Cats Paw is that King Otto from Royal Flush of the Monkeys. I'm, <laughs> but that just <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So
2: Cats Paw also had what's his name? What was was it LaSalle? DeSalle? LaSalle? LaSalle? this Saul, he was in two episodes. He was always kind of angry, yeah. kind of borderline intense. You know, he was the one that one time told Chekhov to do something. He said, you need some help? And Chekhov said, I can do it, sir. I'm not that green. So he was the really <laughs> intense guy that didn't last, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to do top fives or something. We're almost out of time.
5: Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Well, <sighs> except for the sweat mess, because we don't want to give away at least Matt's. You know, list that yeah. he's doing yeah, the that, That's years. his
3: list. That's he's yeah. doing that all on exactly. his own. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, Elaine.
4: Well,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: all
1: right. Well, before we do that then Matt, since we're not gonna do make your top five, Matt, what is your bottom episode of the season? Oh yeah.
4: Oh uh, yeah, the, the Omega Glory. Um,
1: that was one of the
5: ones I wanted to ask everybody about, but it's, it's had run out of yeah, time. Yeah,
4: it's just uh, I, I, it feels like they rushed a script that was made in an earlier ideas of, of parallel earths that like uh, Gene Roddenberry's got a, excuse me, Gene Roddenberry's got a credit on it. Cause I think he wrote the original draft or the original mm-hmm. idea. Um, and it just, I, I don't understand why they, they relate more to the white looking, Primitives and they they totally don't relate to the Asiatic-looking towns folks. It, it, it's right. very it's very eurocentric Western civilization-centric, and then of course they have the U.S. Constitution as their holy words. That just that's not Star Trek to me. It's just you know, right. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, and and William Shatner being a Canadian, he had they had to really work on him <laughs> doing his <laughs> "We the People." Uh, uh, Matt, if it's, 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 you didn't know this, maybe when you said this, but the Omega Glory is one of like three pitches that Rottenberry wrote when he first created Star Trek. The first draft of Star Trek is on my birthday, March 11th, 1964. Um, the Omega Glory is one of the original ideas Rottenberry wrote down that he was handing to the network as a potential series opener.
1: Mm. Yeah. I'm glad they went with it. Oh man, (laughs) all the other ones they did, yeah, absolutely, very much. (laughs) All right, let's let's do. uh, If you want to see Matt's top five, tune into his ranking on the Earth Station Trek Facebook group because he does a great job of going episode by episode and ranking them. But for the rest of us, let's knock out some quick top fives. We're like six minutes out now. Yeah, let's do it.
3: Elaine,
5: you go
1: first if you want to.
3: I don't have a top five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
3: I um. I probably should. if I'd known I had to come up with the top 5 I needed to do my homework but no. um, okay. Yeah. Tell you what,
2: we'll run we'll run through real quick and you just take a look at the list and you can just throw out some that you really like, you know, yeah. you don't have to say
1: they're the best. What are yours, Keith? Mine would be uh a
2: mock time Journey to Babel um, sorry, now I'm doing that thing. The trouble with Tribbles.
0: <laughs> and
2: I'm gonna do a couple. And then one that I just love because I, I can never forget it is who more? Um, who more? And so, Adonias, mm. okay. And then for all reasons obvious and not so obvious, the ultimate computer,
1: yeah, yeah, mm. okay. yeah, yeah. How about you, Alan? Okay, well,
5: I'm gonna match a lot of what Keith said. Um, a mock time and mirror, mirror, and <sighs> um babel and all that kind of stuff but i am gonna i'm gonna lump two of them together Mm -hmm. uh doomsday machine and obsession Mm. i love them both i love them both so much
2: see already i want to change my (laughs) list
5: and then and then um ultimate computer even though i I was really people say it's not really star trek but i was really close to putting assignment earth on there because i really enjoy it so much Mm -hmm. me too um me too and and possibly return to it tomorrow. But mm. I was but I'm gonna stick with um, Ultimate Computer. It's so good. It is.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be really predictable and just say a time, mirror mirror, doomsday mm-hmm. machine, journey mm-hmm. to Babel, trouble with Tribbles. I mean they're Was just great, five? great, yeah.
2: great episodes.
1: I mean, there's you got five of are. the all-time stop Star Trek episodes, so it, I'll right. go with those.
2: <laughs> and, Charles, look, just, without anything in this scientific poll, I would say that the odds are that when people talk about what original series episode do they want to see revisited or put on the big screen, Doomsday Machine is almost always the one that comes up.
1: Mm-hmm. Almost mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They should have adapted that for the Kelvin Kelvinverse. Mm-hmm. They could have okay. called it Star Trek from Hell. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right 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 i i want to sure. see captain decker on strange new worlds they keep giving us these random captains i want to see the yeah. the commodore oh, yeah. from the original series as captains right. on strange mm-hmm. new worlds yeah. yeah man i agree with that
5: mm-hmm. yeah all right elaine do you got something for us
3: no for my, n- n- no no <laughs> <laughs> well, no, i, I did um no i somebody mentioned assignment earth with that you alan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i enjoyed assignment earth i know it's oh. sort of side um star trek not really yeah. mm-hmm. um but i enjoyed it because and i wish they had made more of that like it had been the spinoff that they thought they might try to get because that was a fun episode
5: yeah i Me agree too. Me of course, too. if it weren't I, for that, we wouldn't have had Picard season two. So you know,
3: well, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, yeah I really don't like the Travelers as um, depicted in Picard. That's a whole other yeah. story. That's oh. a good, and I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad y'all brought that up because I agree. Sometimes people say, "Well, that's not Star Trek." Well, I think yeah. it actually was Star Trek, and of I enjoyed it, it. It's a fun yeah. episode. Yeah, I love Gary Seven. Too bad yeah. Terry yeah. Gar hated the whole experience. Oh well,
5: <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. you gonna do? <laughs> um okay wayne puts his in and he's got some interesting choices i mud mirror mirror wow, metamorphosis man. the changeling
2: and doomsday machine okay i like I it mud. i like wayne, it. that's a that's an interesting choice wayne i wouldn't expect anybody to put that as their number one yeah. but it is a funny episode Especially with Norman, you know, and we were just doing this on the Facebook thing, Matt. Norman, the smoke bump coming out of his head and yet another <laughs> you know, computers work like that in real life. Nothing we had would work. Nothing. Our phones would <laughs> 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 nothing. If they just blew up when you you've confused them. <laughs>
5: right. <laughs> it's funny what a trope that was in the sixties though. Yes. You yeah, know, yeah, every absolutely. show did that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How you can just talk a computer into exploding? And yep. they
3: did it on—they did it on the monkeys on an that's episode true. of the monkeys. That's, that's <laughs> that's absolutely right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. I mean, in closing, I think that I mean the season is—it's—it's got some all-time classics in it. Yes. I mean, I don't think there's a really, like, stinker. I mean, there's not one that like, I don't find watchable. There are some weaker episodes yeah. that I don't think are as good, but I think mm-hmm. it's on, on the whole as, as far as seasons go. Because then there's, like, 30 episodes or something. It's a really exactly. strong season. Yeah. 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 Right.
0: yeah. When I was
2: when I was doing just, just looking at it yesterday, there's, there's 26 episodes. I had 12 ranked excellent. Not mm-hmm. good, but excellent. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And then yeah. I had something like seriously eight or seven or eight ranked really good. And then just a couple that were okay. But like you said, there's right. not a single episode in the season that I would refuse to watch. Right. Not no. a single one. Oh, no. Right. Well, Matt and Elaine, thank you guys for joining us. Yes. Thanks thank for having you us. So much. Yeah, yeah. It's thank always you. a pleasure. And we can't <laughs> wait. Matt, I'll tell you behind the scenes, there's been a whole bunch of, we can't wait till Matt gets to his hot picks so and we got some bones. We're going to pick with him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. If you want to follow along. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: No, so that's, that's, that's what I enjoy about this. I enjoy the uh, <laughs> I enjoy the back and forth and the uh, disagreements. That's that's mm. what it is. It's all our fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, so, Mac, where can people find more of you?
4: Uh, well, you can find me uh, usually uh, around the Earth Station Trek Facebook page. And that's where I'm currently, as we mentioned before, counting down the second season episodes. I'm currently at number 15 posted today, uh, which is, uh, I think it was 15. Yes, it was Return to Tomorrow was number 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's where we're at. So we're about I'm close to halfway through. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, you don't have to go very far to find the, the other uh, down at number 26. Um, and uh, recently I was on an ESO uh, podcast where they did a summer movie preview. Uh, you can hear me there uh, if you have interested in what some of the movies coming out this summer season.
1: Excellent. And how about you, Elaine?
3: You can find me on Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkey. Yay. And um, also <laughs> all the monkeying around social stuff. But then we are currently watching season three of Star Trek. The original series and we live whatever comment on them as we're watching them. Those comments are great. <laughs> on Facebook, but not in the Earth Station Trek group. It's on my actual Facebook page. But right. you know, you can find it there and you know, I make I I'm so it's sort of like for me it's almost mystery science theater three thousand. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. my comments are just like, what the heck is that for? But um you know <laughs>
5: Um. Yep. So, what's your what's your schedule for Enterprise season four?
4: No, uh, we finished that some time back. Oh, did you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, we were through with Enterprise. Uh Yeah, they're going. Right. I remember three. Oh okay. yeah, no, yeah, we 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 got it. We got it done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind uh, then. I was trying to think, is there another season? Is there a lot of seasons? I
3: was like, how many seasons were there? Did, did we miss one? <laughs> one, two,
1: three,
5: three, three, four, four, four. <laughs> well, I,
1: have be, I have to be very careful about commenting because I have a bad habit of being like, oh, I love that part
4: when this happens. And you're like, that hasn't happened yet. Like, yeah, oh, all right. Yes. We've got to write a joke that every episode is Charles's favorite when he comments.
0: <laughs> I like <laughs> this episode. <laughs> That's
4: true. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alan, where where can people
1: find more of you?
5: Okay. Well, I have another podcast. It is called Modern Musicology, and it is about all sorts of pop, rock, metal, prog music topics. Soul, funk, anything goes. And um, we are just about to do an episode... Never, I'm not going to say which one it is. We're, we're, we've got a good one coming up. I just will, I'll just say that. So jump on board, man. we got some great stuff. Interviews with really amazing musicians and stuff like that. It's fantastic. And then I also have a podcast called Doctor Who A2Z. Everyone should go listen to that.
2: I need to listen to that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I need to catch up <laughs> on that one. <laughs> and how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram
1: and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And Veronica and I will be appearing um, on an upcoming episode of the Earth Station One podcast talking about the Muppets Mayhem, the, the latest oh, Muppet sweet. series on Disney+. Yep. Nice. And then if you want to catch us live, we've got a couple of live appearances coming up. On June 10th, we'll be at Frank and Con in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then on June 17th, we'll be at the Sandy Springs Library. Yes, she you That's will. right. <laughs> that's oh, right. Nice. Uh, but you can find more of us and keep up with what we're doing at feltnerdy.com or feltnerdy on Facebook, which actually both go to the same place right now. And uh, you can listen to us on Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Right on.
0: Nice. <laughs> Charles, do you have a closing for us?
1: I'm not programmed to respond in that area. <laughs> Perfect. Well, given the season, I think a good closing could literally be
2: live long and prosper.
1: (laughs) Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.